When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My name is Justin LaRosa, and I serve as the minister of the downtown campus called The Portico, and it is with uh, great honor and humility I'm before you today to share a word about doubt. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. Who were your favorite bands growing up? Like, who did you listen to on the, uh, you know, on the vinyl or perhaps on the eight tracks or perhaps on the cassette tapes? Who did you listen to? Like, go ahead, just shout it out. Anybody? You too. Okay, that's a little more recent. I like that. Back, what, what, what came from back there? The Beach Boys. Frank Sinatra. Beatles, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I was one of those 70s and 80s kids who loved rock and roll. Just loved it, you know? And so I'm inviting you just for a moment right now to go back in time with me. Okay, so I want you to just kind of shut your eyes here for a moment, okay? The time was 1984, and Justin was an angsty 11-year-old boy. He was in hopeful anticipation of attending his favorite band's concert that was coming, coming to the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh on March 7th. You see, I had been invited by a friend who somehow received free tickets to the show, it was going to be, in the words of the 80s, totally awesome. Anyone want... Okay, you're back. Anyone want to guess which band it was? Donny Honors. Oh, wow. No, not Donny Honors. One more. Van Halen. Well, it was Van Halen. (laughs) 
and at nice work, nice work. I didn't think anyone would get that. Don't tell anyone later. So at the time I had only been to one concert and that concert was Brian Adams and he was okay in my mind, but just okay. But Van Halen, you could hear Van Halen 1984 coming out from Justin's record player day after day. But here's the thing. I missed it. I didn't go. My parents, for whatever reason, revoked their permission. It was devastating for me. So the following Monday, I come back to school or whenever, whatever day of the week it was. And my friends are describing the awesomeness of this concert. They're talking about David Lee Ross, uh, kind of epic acrobatics, his bandanas. They are describing in great detail all the good looking girls that they saw at the concert. All the sets. But that wasn't bad enough. That wasn't even what was the worst thing. The doozy came. They said, to their surprise, the band invited some guests up on stage. Those guests were my friends. I didn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it. I was supposed to be there. I missed the experience and no amount of my friends describing it to me could make it come alive. And perhaps, brothers and sisters, in some way, in some little way, I felt like Thomas did in our story today. Thomas was supposed to be there. He was one of the twelve. And we don't know why he wasn't there, but his absence meant he didn't see the risen Lord. He didn't experience Christ in that way. And because of that, he refused What his friends had told him, that they had witnessed the resurrection. Without seeing it with his own eyes, he couldn't be swayed with this, we have seen the Lord talk. Yet, the scripture goes on to say that the disciples were gathered again a week later. And Thomas was with them this time. And it seems as though the scripture that says that the second appearance was like specifically for Thomas's benefit. And so you can see, did you put the other one up before? Yeah, these are kind of the two pretty well-known pictures. One's by Carvaggio and the other one's by somebody else famous that I can't remember. But so as we were preparing for this, uh, this talk, Roger did some work on the translation um, in the words of Jesus to Thomas, which, were, which are often translated as, do not doubt but believe. And what he has found and what he suggested to us, was, they may be more accurately translated, do not be unbelieving but believing. In other words, you ought to let your doubt lead not to unbelief but to belief. Anne Lamont, any of you know Anne Lamont? Anybody? She's a little irreverent. Some of you know. But one of, the thing, one of her quotes that I love so much, she says, The opposite of faith is not doubt. It's certainty. The opposite of faith is not doubt. It's certainty. 
So I want to tell you another story. Story of a man who came from a very religious family. I mean a very religious family. Whose father was actually a pastor. He grew up in the church, learned all the right things, did all the right things, and he became himself a religious man, doing many great things in the name of Christ Jesus. This guy eventually became a pastor too and was sent on a missionary trip to do a lot of good works, to help others experience the risen Christ. It is so, on this missionary trip, there was an intense storm that put the ship in being danger of being lost, being sunk. This guy, this very religious guy, who had all the beliefs up in his head, was panicked. He was very, very scared. And he noticed, though, on the ship, others that weren't. Others that were at peace. They were singing hymns and praying. And after surviving this missionary voyage, this very religious man experienced a great deal of doubt. Does anyone want to guess who that person was? Anybody? I hear it whispered. Shout it. Paul? Go ahead, put it up. John Wesley. The founder of our movement, United Methodism, experienced significant doubt. Wesley struggled with believing that accepting Christ was the only thing he needed to be assured of his salvation. He thought he had to do everything right. He wrestled with the notion that because Christ died and because Christ was risen, that there was nothing he could do to earn salvation except accept it. So for me, uh, this is very good news that there was a space both in the initial resurrection community for people who didn't believe and that our founder was full of doubt. And there is space here, too, at Hyde Park United Methodist for doubt. If you have, if any of you are currently wrestling with doubt or have at the past, you're in good company. There are other people in the Bible uh, John the Baptist, uh, I didn't have time, but I was going to talk about Mother Teresa and some of her dark night of the soul. You are in good company. And at Hyde Park, we try to create this environment where people are welcome to wrestle with the core beliefs of faith while concurrently being in community together. And so today, I've invited a good buddy of mine, a friend, um, who's going to share a little bit of his story with us. And so, uh, Stephen, I'm going to grab your microphone, and then the two of us are just going to uh, talk. There you go. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Nervous? It's nervous. It's all right. It's good. Not sure about the stool. You're a little doubting. Okay, hey, listen. Let's switch it up. Stand up. This is much more comfortable. That's how you get the squishy chair. That's right. So uh, tell us, tell us how you came to Hyde Park and a little bit about your faith background. 
So my wife is a United Methodist, and uh, just before we were to get married, come to find out she wanted to be married in a church, and she needed someone uh, from the clergy to do it. So I was having some issues with that. Um, there was a, a gentleman here by the name of McGray who was really wonderful, and um, so we spent some time with him, and he agreed to do the ceremony outside of the church and just told me to replace the word God and Jesus with whatever that might be for me. And, uh, and that worked, and that was kind of the first step. Uh, I was born to a Jewish father and a Christian mom, uh, soon divorced. So as a, as a small child, um, I was looking for magic, and there wasn't a lot of magic. So uh, I think that instills a lot of doubt very early on. And I was really just looking for community and um, that phrase to, to be real that we're more made in his image here rather than trying to earn a place later. And uh, that's what I started finding around here. I'm still not sure what I believe, but um, I see people doing good things here. And that's something that I can't argue with. Uh, so I can't be hypocritical one way or the other. For me, it's pretty special. So many people, I think, wrestle um, with regard to who God is and who Christ is. Um, what do you think the, the beliefs that are most difficult to kind of believe in Christianity? Or perhaps what, what has been difficult for you? And maybe not difficult, but what have you engaged and thought about? Again, I, I think it's, it's the magic and the miracle. Um, God works in mysterious ways. Sometimes we don't see it. And uh, again, from my life experience, I want to see it here. Mm -hmm. And I want to experience it every day. Mm -hmm. So the challenge is um, looking for something that is walking on water and, and all of, you know, water to wine and all of that. And rather, I'd see every day, uh, or like to see, people just doing the right thing by other people. And again, that's what I saw more of here. Mm -hmm. That's what I felt like I wanted to do in my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't need to wear um, a religion as a credential. Mm -hmm. And instead, just do and just be. Mm -hmm. And through uh, friends like you and my wonderful wife, I just do that and um, hope the rest will come. So um, share, share how you have been engaged. So you got married how long ago? Third. Uh, Twelve years ago. Twelve years ago. We'll 12 make sure years. we get that right when Shay's here. When she's here later. Yeah. Yes, we're um, gonna, it's, it's Twelve years ago. Twelve years ago. Right, right, right. Twelve years ago. Twelve. We've years been together ago. 24. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you started coming to worship with her and then talk about your engagement just kind of um, recently over the last year or so. And how that's kind of helped you engage um, faith and engage uh, relationship and community. Uh, the truth is I haven't really been engaged up until the last year, year and a half. Uh, um, my children uh, came to Small Blessings, and that was one of the big lights for me is that I said, all right, these people were called to do this, called to do this. And um, I saw they just loved my children. I mean, you could really see that they loved my children. All right, okay, great. Here's another one of these things I can't, like, close my eyes to. They're so great with my kids. Um, and then a little over a year ago, I'm at the Children's Gasparilla Parade, and uh, a pirate runs up to me out of nowhere 
and, um, and I didn't even really know him that well. And he says, we're doing meditation downtown. And I'm, one, I'd never heard of meditation as a part of Christianity. And I was looking for it, maybe uh, an Eastern um, kind of approach to it myself in that moment. And I thought, all right, again, I can't run from it. It's right there. Let me go check it out. So um, started learning how to meditate. Had been joining these, you know, this great group of people downtown. And uh, that led me to the idea of, of joining a men's group in the morning just to um, discuss those things that have us maybe disconnected. And uh, we've been committed to that for about a year. And uh, I've enjoyed it. I've appreciated it. Um, and uh, appreciate my friends. Yeah. What would you say to anybody here that perhaps would be in the midst of their own doubt? What would be your encouragement to them as... Um, being a part of this faith community. Get out of your own way. Do what your heart tells you to do. Uh, that may not be as big as going on a mission trip, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, or, or writing a sermon. For me, uh, it is sitting here right now. This is a pretty big adventure for a guy who grew up not believing in anything. Mm -hmm. um, so I say it's the little steps that are the biggest, at least for me. And uh, so reaching out to someone, being open to something, those are the big steps for me. I really appreciate you being here. Let's thank Stephen. So honesty is imperative. If we were going to follow the way of Jesus, brothers and sisters, honesty leads to experiences of love. Thomas's honesty about his doubts of the resurrection actually led the other disciples to a deeper understanding of belief. They learned when Jesus showed himself a second time that belief is not dependent upon seeing. And blessed are those for which that is the case. And I can tell you, brothers and sisters, that my journey with my friendship with Stephen has led me into a greater understanding of God's grace and love. And like Thomas and the disciples, Stephen and I are going to wrestle with doubt in making God's love real. In community, even though our beliefs might be a little bit different from one another. But there's one more thing. Let's get back to the story of John Wesley. Remember that period of time when he was wrestling with his doubt? Well, it finally got resolved, and it happened in the context of community. It wasn't until May 24th, 1738, he joined a small group of Christians worshiping together, studying together, and praying together. And he had an experience that changed everything. He described the event in his journal like this. In the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society at Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the Epistle of the Romans, about quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart 
strangely warmed. I felt that I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, the ways that I separated myself, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Wesley discovered that not only, that only in the context of Christian community can your greatest doubt ever be relieved. It's hard to wrestle with doubts alone, brothers and sisters. That's what Thomas discovered too, and that's what you can discover as well. So wherever you find yourself along the disciples' path, whether you're you really feel cool with what you believe and you have experienced or whether you have in that place of not knowing and wrestling, you are welcome here. And it is my invitation, my challenge, my hope that you all will have a group of people with which you can journey together in community as we continue to make God's love real together here and now in preparation for later. Let us pray. Lord, we give thanks for uh, honesty. We give thanks for doubt. We give thanks for the ways in which you mold us and shape us into your likeness so that we can be images to others. Be with us as we become more like you individually, as a community as a nation, as a world global community. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. Let us experience the risen Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.